We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Whatever life throws your way, make sure you have a strong defense in place, like the Chiefs, with a high interest savings account. Make your family's playbook look just like the Chiefs with blocking, tackling, and a whole lot of winning. Winning five straight games. Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partners in possible. So thankful for them and all they've done here for KC Sports Network. And yeah, make sure you check them out if you haven't already. And I'm here and check out my friends, I guess. Uh, for fun of on Twitter. Wait a second. You gotta check with the one. Line, uh, go do that. Hold on. <laughs> Maddie, hi. Are, are you done checking me out now, Ken? Are we good? Do you need me to spin? No. Or, uh, oh, okay. Everyone mm. is just enthralled with the tightness of your shirt on the KCSN post game show. And yeah, this one is. This one's working overtime. <laughs> Speaking of working overtime, it's that time of uh. year, guys. It's that time of year. I got I got the draft bug. Um, usually about this time when we start recording this, my hype from the last weekend of college football has died down a little bit in regards to the, uh, the end of upcoming NFL draft. Nah, not right now. And there's not even any college football to watch this week. We got a week off because of the bowl game starting up next week. But that itch is finally there. Like, all I want to do is, like, just speed through this podcast as fast as we can so I can go um, watch some more prospects as soon as we are done. So just that, that's where I am right now. Craig, I know you're a little busier than I am right now. Uh, you got a lot going on. But how you doing, buddy? Are you making it? Uh, yeah. Uh, are we, we going to do this podcast on two times? Is that is that what this is? <laughs> Matt, Maddie's going to talk in double time, and we're going to get out of here quick. Do either because, of I you mean... guys listen in double time? <laughs> No, I listen. I was surprised that people do that. Listen, I listen at one and a quarter. I got. I, I got do one and a half. Do. I do okay. one and a half to get through it. Okay. I've tried two times, but like I can't keep up. Like yeah. unless I'm gonna sit down and just like stare at my phone, there's no chance I'm picking up anything on two times right now. Anyway, I see. Sorry. Listen, and the only reason that we're even talking about going through this so fast is because we're playing the Raiders again, and the Chiefs just smoked the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. So, like, I mean, we're. I think everybody's kind of going into this one with some supreme optimism this week versus some other matchups that are coming up that may be a little tougher. I would say it's more swag than anything. Well, let's try to get this episode done quicker than one bus ride around Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> let's start with the offensive side of the football. And, you know, we're doing things a little bit different. This is the second game. Uh, there, there's some questions, you know, that maybe aren't necessarily as 
um, you know, X's and O's because we've talked a lot about the X's and O's. There's some, but the first question I want to ask you guys, um, this, uh, we, the last time and basically the only time in like two months that we've seen the offense uh, do something good, make you feel good was the last time that they played the Raiders. So like, do you feel like if the, if the, if the Chiefs go out and do the same thing that they did offensively to the Raiders the last time these two teams played, do you feel good? Does it make you feel good? Does it give you confidence? Does it make you feel better about the outlook of this team? Like, what do you feel on on the offensive side of the ball what, what, if they do something really nice this week? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it, a lot of it depends on what the Raiders do. I will caveat this, and I think we're going to dive into this a little bit later. So, like, it does depend on what the Raiders are doing. But I don't foresee the Raiders pulling a full 180 and playing the exact opposite kind of coverage that they were this last time. So, like, I think the Chiefs will be able to find more success in this game than they have against essentially any other non-Raiders opponent since the calendar turned to November. But no, it's not going to excite me right now because I know why. The Chiefs are a terrible matchup for the Raiders defense. The Raiders defense isn't playing particularly well. I mean, the team as a whole has lost four out of their last five games. Mm -hmm. They are on the brink of probably just shutting it down for the year just in terms of effort level week in and week out. This is probably their last hurrah. And if the Chiefs can just get any kind of momentum rolling, that might be enough to just bury them on the spot and just kind of end their season for better or for worse at that point in time. So no, I don't think there's a lot of confidence that I will be built up in my belief in the Chiefs offense from this game. Now, I will say, just because I don't know if we'll talk about it next week, next week's game against the Chargers, that's where I think you build any confidence. And I'm holding out hope that the Chiefs have kind of not been slow playing things on purpose, not hiding stuff or anything like that, but I'm just holding out hope that every now and then they are coming out on must-have games, the first Raiders game, because they're dealing with the division. This game against the Chargers still fighting for the division or two weeks from now against the Chargers fighting for the division when they have to have it. I'm hoping that's when you see an A-plus game plan, and that'll make me feel good. But this particular week, eh, they could put up another 50 points against them, and I'd probably feel the same as I do right now because we've seen that already. We've, we've been there and done that. Maddie is trying to get to pull me over into conspiracy corner here because <laughs> I got I got thoughts. We'll 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 deal with that. We'll deal with that. But yes, no. That, this game, I think, I f- it feels more like a trap game than it does about anything. I think everybody's kind of looking at that Chargers game as the one. Like it, and um, the fact that Maddie brought it up, I brought it up. But the, it, it's kind of looking ahead. A little bit. Not to say that the players will. I think that they're very focused on the task at hand. I think that we're going to see them come out, and I think we're going to see them look largely good for you know the way the offense has been playing. And like Maddie said, it's going to be because of the matchups on the field. I don't think it's going to be anything particular from a schematic standpoint or anything like that. It's just such a poor matchup. The team has fallen apart. Like it, it's just. It's a bad year for the Raiders. They're in the season from hell right now. And unfortunately, they're winning enough. You know, they got some marquee wins. I think the Cowboys. I mean, they got some marquee wins. But they're winning enough to where they're not even going to get a bad or a good draft pick out of the season from hell. And I, I mean, that's truly the season from hell right there. You just you hate stuck to see in it. purgatory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you really, really do hate to see it there. But oh, no, no, I think I don't think that this game is the one that's going to make me flip about the offense but it is coming by the way uh the 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 only win for the cowboys and the or the the raiders in the last five games was that cowboys interestingly enough so it's a good that's win too. Yeah. a great one that's what's so very about this. banged up cowboys 
Yeah, it's still a good win. Still a good win, though. <laughs> Chiefs dominated that very banged up Cowboys team. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it. Yeah, this this has been the season of hell from them. I'm not going to get overly excited about this game, and honestly, like, there's probably not going to be time to because the Chiefs played two games. Uh, you know, in five days or in four days, five days, uh, a Sunday, Thursday turnaround. And it's the biggest game of the year, oh, by the way. But um, yeah, I'm, there's nothing that's going to really get me too, too high or too low offensively. If it's the same old, same old, even it's not really going to, you know, it's, it's going to be another week of sample size of them really struggling. Okay. Out of the bye week, we see, you know, some adjustments to the personnel decisions on, on, for, for the wide receiver position. You know, McCole Hardman is nine snaps just alarmingly small amount of opportunities. Didn't even get really a touch. And, in the first. Oh, and one, only one special team snap too. Like that's yeah, the other thing. It's like, it, he, yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah. Big old dog, like big time dog houses, deep in the dog houses. I've ever seen him easily. Um, didn't get involved in the first 15, which is where they try to get in one of his touches, try to get his speed out on the edge. Um, really? I mean, he wasn't even motioning. Like I know that sounds that's just a weird anecdote more than anything, but like they weren't really having him move. He was just running verticals up, you know, trying to let things run underneath him. But, um, you know, Byron Pringle gets a lot more opportunities, kind of wastes them. You know, they look like some miscommunications, some drops. He has some issues there. There's a there's a lack of a third receiving option. We've been talking about it a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's. I mean, I, how big of an issue is this, Maddie? I would simply just kind of point to the Chiefs offensive outputs most week and say, I mean, like, that's how big of an issue it's been at this point in time. But we can go take it a little bit further. You mentioned that McCole Hardman, even when he was playing, the kind of the motions and stuff were reduced. Look at the team as a whole. The the motion of this team has been reduced a ton this year. It's essentially just moving (laughs) Travis Kelsey around to get coverage IDs. And that's really about it. It's the same basic motions over and over again because the Chiefs offensively, they can't afford to just use Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey as a decoy with window dressing. They can't run Tyreek Hill on a jet motion and just send him out to the flat to see who he pulls and then try to attack elsewhere on the field because nobody's good enough to get open. Nobody's reliable enough that they can just waste, so to speak, Tyreek Hill as a decoy or risk wasting him as a decoy and then find success elsewhere. In years past, they've been able to do that. You could always find a way that every now and then to send, you know, Travis Kelsey across the field, Tyree Kill in some kind of orbit or return motion even, and just get him out into the flat and watch all these defenders flock to him. When that happened, Sammy Watkins, or they would push down to him a Cole Harden, or just somebody would find themselves open and be able to make a play. That's not happening this year. So not only is the lack of third option just hurting in isolation of no one stepping up, you're now having to change how you use Tyree Kill. You're now having to change how you use Travis Kelsey, and it's hurting them. Look at where Tyree Kill's being lined up right now. He's getting a ton more press reps this year than he ever has in the past because they have to put him on the line of scrimmage. They have to split him out wide. Travis Kelsey dealt with some injuries. Teams are getting away with being really physical with him, so the Chiefs have had to move him off the line of scrimmage now. Now it's only Tyree Kill. It's easy to double or bracket him when you put him in this position. Just the lack of extra options is getting trickling up. It's going not down, but it's going up. It's hitting Travis Kelsey. It's hitting Tyree Kill and making them less effective. It's clearly affecting the offense as a whole. I mean, at this point, we're looking at Daryl Williams by far and away being the third most effective weapon, and the Chiefs aren't going out of their way to make that a thing. 
Like his big plays down the field as a receiver have been on broken plays. It's been a jump ball while Mahomes is rolling to the right over Jonathan Abram. It's been a flat route that he turned up field because Patrick Mahomes broke contained against the Broncos. It's not like they're scheming him up to be this deadly third threat. It's just happening that way because nobody else is taking the reins. And at this point, it's not just hurting the team. It's hurting individual players that were otherwise excellent, the top of their positions in the entire NFL. So yeah, I think it's a huge problem and I, I don't see any way to fix it during the season. I, th- I think it's funny that Maddie is just ignoring that the Chiefs are now going to implement elite receiving threat, Daryl Williams, on every single down. Mm. This man's going to go out there, the best hands on the team. X-receiver. <laughs> X-receiver. Look at him running that wheel route. Or it wasn't really a wheel route. It was a flat route that he just turned upfield. But <laughs> get him on. Get the man on a wheel route. Now, I mean, it, it is. It, you're missing a major component there and it's having such a ripple effect across the entire offense you're seeing play calls that aren't being executed correctly on top of having to move these guys around too it's just such a mess right now so you you want to be able to rely on one of the guys that's been here for a little while byron pringle cole hardman even demarcus robinson like somebody Somebody step up. They're giving Pringle the opportunity. They gave Josh Gordon the opportunity before the bye. Nobody wants to step up and take that spot. Like, And that's the most scary thing about all of this is that they're rotating these guys. It's not like they're stuck in their ways or they're not trying to implement these guys. Like we get questions often, you know, it's like, why can't Andy get these guys implemented into his offense? It's like, man, they're trying. Like, It's not for a lack of effort that these guys aren't producing out there. They're just not open. They're not running the correct routes. They're they're not getting the separation enough for Patrick Mahomes to be able to throw to some of these guys. And they're not contested catch guys other than Josh Gordon. They're just not contested catch guys. So they're not doing what they need to do to get open. It does feel, I know we were joking about Daryl Williams a while ago, it feels like they need to start unleashing the running backs a little bit more in the passing game. Try and get Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Hilaire. Try and get Darrell Williams. Get these guys into some space. Try and take advantage of them. Because as it stands right now, you can't get these other guys open. You can't get them as part of the route. Get a guy coming out of the backfield. They can maybe get loose against a, a linebacker or a safety and try and rely on that as your third option because the rest of them, they just aren't working right now. Well, and like there was there was some conversations about like Patrick Mahomes has Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. What else does he need? Like like good offenses in in modern NFL have more than two pass catching options, and the gap between Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and everybody else on the roster is ginormous. I think some people really spent a long, way, way, way too much time this off season trying to hype up the secondary pass catchers for this team, the McCole Hardmans, the Byron people, just exhaustive amounts of, of praise heaped on guys that had no business receiving that kind of love to the level that they did. And it's showing. So people are resting on the laurels of what we've seen from some of these secondary pass catchers, but they aren't producing in any way, shape or form. They're not being consistent. They're not trustworthy. Mahomes isn't trusting them. So like, I, I just, there's, there's not a good answer. It's a mistake. It was a mistake by Brett Veach. He got cute at the receiver spot, and he decided he was going to try to do with some, you know, some guys that, frankly, haven't stepped up. 
And, and so, you know, that this is where you're at. This team needed more than what they have as a, as a, from a depth perspective at the, as, as at, 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 at pass catcher, sorry. And it's frustrating because there's a bigger gap between the chiefs third best pass catching options in a lot of teams in the NFL. Um, and you know, look, I mean, look at, look at, look at the, look at the bucks. I I'm sure, you know, their teams are really, you know, Tom Brady has everything at his disposal. I'm sorry. I got, I got to slow down. I got to stop talking about this. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> no, no. Hold on. I got one more thing here because I think it's easy. If you go back and watch the chiefs and you've seen people do it, they'll take screenshots of where guys are open or yeah. they'll say, Hey, look, this guy's wide open here on this play. And Mahomes just didn't get to him. like, but you got to sometimes consider that there's a reason guys are open. Sometimes it is them running a great route. Sometimes it is a great concept that gets a guy open. But when you take a screenshot and it's a running back wide open in the flat, to the backside, the direction Patrick Mahomes isn't looking, it's because he's the fifth read. He's the last guy Mahomes is going to get to on this particular play. That doesn't happen a ton in the NFL. You very rarely get to progression four or five unless you have ideal protection. So you can't just say, oh, look, a guy's open. He should have gone there. In the quarterback's mind, and in the way the Chiefs are operating right now, like, yes, you're going to find plays where McCole Hardman might be open on the football field, but how consistently is that happening? Is it happening at a rate in which Patrick Mahomes can expect him to be there, expect him to be open and get to that read early enough? Is he even looking that direction? You have to look at what the Chiefs are dialing up to play. We talked about it. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, this entire passing offense, the Chiefs have become kind of predictable on what they're going to do and where they're going to be because nobody else is reliable. So teams are selling out to stop those two. As soon as Mahomes gets to those first two reads, those guys are covered. It's find a running back to check down to, scramble, or throw the ball away. There's a reason he leads the league in ball throwaways, and it might be, and even though you might see a guy that's open, he's just out of time because of just what the Chiefs are doing. Defenses are countering because there is not a third reliable player on the field at any given time for the chiefs. All right. So the only time this chiefs offenses look competent in the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks was when Gus Bradley didn't deviate away from what he does and <laughs> decided that he was just going to play a lot of what he typically does. And you know, this, you know, the, the only time the chiefs have scored over 22 points in the last six weeks, was against the, the Raiders. Is Gus Bradley, like, is he going to adjust? Do we think he's going to adjust, Craig? I mean, uh, no. Because <laughs> he, he hasn't. I mean, Gus is very, he, I mean, he's a special breed of that, like, Seattle cover three defense. Like, he sticks to it. Now, he put a little wrinkle in it. It's not like it's a static, you know, cover three or anything like that. It'll put some wrinkles in it here and again. But, by and large, he's not like some of these other guys that play it and adapt to it and move it around. It can be a little bit more flexible with it. I mean, like we talked about it with Dallas, you know, Dallas didn't do that, you know, but he is going to abide by the things that he thinks that he can win with. He's going to hope that Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe can pin their ears back and rush the passer well, and that he can keep enough of a shell with a cover three defense on top of this thing to keep the chiefs in check. So yeah, I do think that we're going to see that, but Kent, I wrote down, are the Raiders really going to do the dumb thing again? I was talking about Jonathan Abram being in coverage all game long. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Yannick and Gakwe taking out people's knees. 
No, See, no, I was talking. I was talking about Abram and how the were Chiefs you really picked on him. No, of course I was talking about Gus Bradley. I just, okay, <laughs> because but, but I mean, like honestly, like there's like eight things that that could have meant, and so I just I didn't. I was gonna let. I wasn't gonna put you on blast. I was gonna let you say the dumb thing again, because yeah. like sometimes I don't read exactly what shows up on these rundowns. Listen, I was just disappointed. Teleprompter kid on that one. I really was hoping for teleprompter kid on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just listen. They're they're a very static defense. They're gonna they're not static. They're a very locked in defense. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. They're not gonna throw a ton of wrinkles at this team, I don't think. And so I do I do think that we're gonna see largely the same game plan out of the Chiefs. I think we're gonna see largely the same game plan out of the Raiders. And Gus Bradley is gonna hope that his guys can execute better than they did against the Chiefs. I can see him pointing to Jonathan Abram and saying, Hey man, listen, you were right there on a couple of those passes. Like Maybe maybe this time you deflect those or pick those off or don't get mossed by a running back, a backup running back, and you know we could play a little bit better. So I can see him sticking with it and the Chiefs, you know, running ragged over him again. So I don't think the Raiders have to change that much. I know the Chiefs just hung a ton of points on them. I I fully mm-hmm. understand that they made it look easy. But you go back and see what the Cowboys did the majority of the game. Yes, they disguised it a little bit more, but what they did the majority of the game. You look what the Broncos were doing the majority of the game. Cover one, cover three, rolling down the weak side or the strong side safety to play in the high hole. They were doing exactly what the Raiders do. The big difference, especially for the Broncos, they were doing it closer to the snap. I don't even want to say post-snap. They were doing it just a little bit closer to the snap, and they were playing with that safety a little deeper. So I could see the Raiders doing that. Like, there's plenty of plays where Jonathan Abram is lined up in the box or just Mm -hmm. outside like an apex defender. I could see them dropping him a little bit deeper, playing him at 8 yards, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, just to give him some more depth to help with some of the stuff. I think that would be as big as of adjustment as they'd make. The thing is, the Chiefs aren't beating that either right now. I get it. They just did versus the Raiders. Maybe it's they were expecting the Raiders to play it. I don't know why they weren't expecting Denver, who did it last year, or expecting the Cowboys to do it. That That's beyond me. This goes back to my conspiracy that they're just getting up. This game plan is just getting the A-plus version. Don't put me in there. Then. <laughs> but... uh so no, I don't I do think the Raiders are going to do quote unquote dumb thing again. I really do. I just I feel less confident that the Chiefs have the same level of success this week that they did the last time they played. Whether it's just the motivation of that Raiders defense. Max Crosby kind of and he had a good game, but he didn't dominate the game versus a third string right tackle. Yannick Ngakwe didn't really do much. Jonathan Abram got embarrassed left and right. I think if there is a time these guys are going to come out and play it with a little bit extra, this is it. So I don't think the Chiefs will have the same level of success, but the defense will generally look the same. All right, players to watch on offense. Craig, what you got? I'm going with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The first matchup the Chiefs did not have Clyde. He was out injured at that point. Uh, Last year, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against the Raiders. Those were his two best games, arguably, outside of Houston and outside of Buffalo. And so he, he looked fairly effective running the ball against those fronts. And he does like to lean on his running backs a little bit in some of these divisional matchups, especially if the Chiefs are going to get up big. I'd like to see him run the ball a little bit more. I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked good last week. I thought he was running with some decisiveness at the very least, not so much dancing, hitting the holes pretty well. I think he's getting more comfortable behind this offensive line. 
and they got him to run some routes too. So let's get more of Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the table in this offense, and maybe we can start talking about the Chiefs maybe having a third wide receiver or a third receiver that's capable of uh, opening up the offense a little bit. I'm doing it. I'm doing it this week. Patrick Levon Mahomes. This isn't a good good one. Uh This is a quit being a coward. Uncork the ball. Throw some deep shots. There was a couple times against Denver where he had one-on-one coverage for some guys working vertically, and he didn't throw it. And I think in years past he would. There was a play that I put on Twitter that asked where this ball was going on a simple crosser that just had to be thrown with a little bit of anticipation that he should have seen because there's only two reads on the play. He threw it into the ground right at the line of scrimmage. I think he's holding back right now. I get it. There's a lot of drops. There's a lot of things not breaking his way. So I fully understand how that can shake a player's confidence, especially when it's been happening for eight weeks now. But at this point in time, it's not you quit being a coward. They're not calling you up a ton of shot plays, but when you do get them, take them. It's one-on-one coverage with Tyree Kill vertically. Just throw it out there and let him attempt to run under it. If it's incomplete, so what? They have to respect it now. Try maybe throwing it not to Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey in some of these spots. Go out there and sling the ball around. Your defense is playing great. You have a turnover now. It doesn't end the game for you. See plenty of the games that have been happening. Take a couple more chances. Let it all hang out this week because you need to start building some confidence. You have a huge game on Thursday. It's a big one coming up against the Chargers that you have to be ready for. I don't think you can come out with a dud, play timid like you did against the Broncos, like you did against the Cowboys, and then all of a sudden flip a switch. There's got to be a steady buildup, and I think it has to start here. Patrick LeVon Mahomes, throw the ball with your chest again. We need it. It's time. And throw it to Byron Pringle because you two (laughs) need to get on the same page. Uh, Look, I mean, Byron Pringle, I think, had a really nice performance the last time that the Raiders and Chiefs matched up. He's the guy that seems to be the one that's got the best opportunity to emerge as a decent weapon for Patrick Mahomes as a receiver. They weren't on the same page last this last week. Byron had some drops, not doing himself any favors with this opportunity, but no one's taking that opportunity. Nobody. And that's kind of what we talked a little bit earlier. It's got to, I, I think it's got to fall on Byron Pringle. And I think he's capable of doing it. He's got the physical ability to do it. Catch the football. Uh, and try to get on the same page with Mahomes because there's some opportunities that have been missed because they weren't. And I, I think we've seen that a lot uh, this last, uh, you know, just with some, with other guys too. You know, there's just, there's a lack of chemistry with guys not named Mahomes and Hill. So, all right, let's talk about the defensive side of the football and the four man rush hmm. or your Kansas city chiefs has been dominant. Does it continue again this week, Craig? That's a big question. I mean, it should. This offensive line is still pretty beat up. They're still struggling with some pieces. I mean, it's it's still there for the taking for the Chiefs. And since the last time that the, this team played against this Raiders offensive line, they have added Melvin Ingram. And they added Melvin Ingram as a part of all of this. 39%, 33%, 46% and 46%. Those are the pressure rates for the four-man rush. So the past two games, almost you know, half the rushes that this four-man rush have come out and performed against these offensive lines have gotten home against these quarterbacks. That's outrageous. Like that's that is ludicrous to me that they are able to affect the passer as much as they are. It it's 
uh, they've really performed so well by just lining up and rushing four guys. Uh, it's been very, very effective. They've been allowed to play a lot harder coverage on the outside. They've you know been afforded some trap coverage responsibilities, knowing that the ball has to get out quickly from the quarterback while still being able to drop seven guys in coverage. It's just been, it's been the game changer for this team. It really has been. It's been the thing that's that's kind of rotated and revolved and gotten this defense to go in places that they want to go. Steve Spagnolo loves to use these guys, wants to use these guys, and wants to win with four. And they're doing it right now. I think that's going to be the major difference in all of this. They're going to be able to line up and do it because, it, you know. Ingram's here and he's effective. Frank Clark is ridiculously effective. And Chris Jones is just, wow. So, that I mean, that, that's that been the major difference over the past four or five weeks. And I expect that to continue. And I think over that time, we've talked a lot about Chris Jones moving back inside, Frank mm-hmm. Clark getting healthy, Melvin Ingram being coming over. It's Jaron Reed is still one of the biggest things here for me because every time I go back and watch these games lately, there's number 90 coming on. He's getting a pressure in a critical spot. They're running the Chiefs are running a lot more stunts in games this year than I can remember under Steve Spagnola. That's actually not something that they've done a lot under him or Bob Sutton. And all of a sudden, they're coming left and right. But one of the guys that I think is the best on the team at holding contain, the best at sniffing out screens when they do this stuff has been Jaron Reed. Like his situational like effectiveness has been through the roof lately. I think he's playing great. At the start of the year, I think he was put on blast a few times on different media outlets because he really wasn't having a good effect. He was bad against the run. He was doing nothing against a pass rusher. Now, whether it's Chris Jones inside with him helping him out, the healthier guys on the outside, he's having a big impact week in and week out. So I think you add him to that Melvin Ingram, that Frank Clark, the Chris Jones pass rush, and all of a sudden now you have four guys. All four of these guys are capable of winning a one-on-one rep on any given play. You can only double-team one of them unless you're going to keep an extra guy in there, and it's just not working out for offenses, let alone Steve Spagnuolo is going to put like 13 guys around the line of scrimmage, and you have to figure out are they dropping, are they coming? Now do you have five guys blocking the right four people still, or do you not? The pressure the Chiefs are getting right now, whether manufactured or that's coming standalone by this four-man rush, has been exceptional. And I hope it keeps up. I mean, this Raiders offensive line is really bad, so it should. I just want a quick plug here. If you're not subscribed to the KCSN Substack, you should do that. KCSN.substack.com. A large focus of my article that comes out today when you are listening to this is about the games that they ran opposite of Chris Jones knowing that Denver was going to double and try and shift a lot of protections. It really exploited that, did an excellent job, and yeah, yeah. Good. KCSN.substack.com. It also makes a great gift uh, mm. as well. So if you if you have a Chiefs fan in your life that you're already subscribed to KCSN Substack and you want to give it to somebody, makes a great gift as well. You can do that. KCSN.substack.com slash subscribe. Uh, speaking of Chris Jones, he played less than normal. So did Frank Clark. Some rotational, uh, some rotations happen in there uh, on defense. Do you think that they're going to continue to do that, Craig? I do. Uh, I think with the big game coming up on Thursday, they're going to want those guys as healthy as possible. I want they're going to. I think they're going to want you know all their horses uh, because I've I fully expect Frank Clark and Chris Jones 
barring a blowout of some kind on Thursday, to play upwards of 75% of the snaps like they were playing before the bye. So them coming out of the bye and making a concerted effort to play more Mike Dana, more Alex Okafor, you know, more Turk Wharton along the, the defensive line really kind of tips their hand a little bit. It's like we're trying to keep these guys healthy. We got a mini buy coming up after this Thursday night game. So I do expect that we're going to still see a healthy rotation. And I think that that rotation can still get home. Don't get me wrong. I think that these guys can still win. Alex Okafor is coming off of a great game. Turk Wharton has had a couple of good games lately. I would expect maybe another good one against this interior again. So I do think that they're going to lean on those guys a little bit. And they're not going to bring out the big guns for this game. They'll kind of save them back. Bring out the big guns for that Chargers game. And speaking of big guns... Kansas City, you got one of the big guns now coming to Lee's Summit in summer 2022. If you're in Kansas City and you want alcohol, you need to be going to McAdoodles starting in the summer of 2022 because it's the best selection, the best prices, and the customer service is so good. They're going to they're going to recommend everything that you could possibly want and they're going to nail it the first time. The number of I've been into McAdoodles and blindly bought something that McAdoodles recommended to me. And I am discerning. This is not just me being like, I love booze. I am discerning with my <laughs> taste. So they were spot on every single time. As a customer, as a consumer, you are going to absolutely love this. And yes, it's coming to Lee's Summit. So if you want one closer to your neck of the woods, you need to get on the horn with any franchisee that you know. Tell them to get a hold of Roger, info at macadoodles.com. Get one closer to you. That way you don't got to drive all the way to Lee's Summit. Get one. Let's. I'll tell you what, not one. Let's get five. Let's get five in Kansas City. I think that that's a good number to start with, and then we'll go up from there. So get a hold of them. Bring in the big guns to your area of Kansas City. Got to get the big guns when you're in Kansas City. Big guns. Uh, I, I'm I'm with Craig here. The rotation's got to continue. These guys have to be ready to go. They have to be ready. You're coming off a of bye week, so I think it probably was a little bit of a surprise to see a dip in the percentage of snaps for the Frank Clarks and Chris Jones of the world. But you have to remember, they have three games coming up. You know, essentially back to back to back here. I would expect another heavily rotated game here. And like we just got done saying. This Las Vegas Raiders offensive line isn't the greatest. If there was ever a week that you can get by with an Alex Okafor, Melvin Ingram, Mike Dana, uh, Derek Nadi playing a little bit more, Tershawn Wharton getting on the field, like get those guys in there. This is the game to do it because it's still not going to be the stiffest offensive line that you're going to face on the season. And you want those, those, those big guns ready for Kansas City and the Los Angeles Chargers matchup on Thursday. Just saying, go. Last time the last time these teams played, Derek Nadi had a 13% pressure rate. Just saying. It's time. Well, it didn't go bad the last time, uh, or mm -hmm. last week with, with the with rotations. I mean, they they were still able to get home. And I mean, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for sure with, with such a short turnaround coming up here. Okay. This was a good one that Maddie, you I thought I, you asked to, you know, discuss this. I think this is a really good one. How do the Chiefs protect the high hole area in coverage. All right. So the last time that the Raiders and the Chiefs played, Derek Carr attempted 35 passes. All but or only nine of them 
were to the outside. Every other pass was to the middle of the field, okay? So he's only throwing the ball in the middle of the field. Okay, that's fine. And yeah, 15 of those attempts were short and under 10 yards, but those were essentially going for no yards. He completed 14 passes and accumulated barely over 60 yards throwing to short. Now, where they had success was throwing deeper over the middle of the field. They completed four passes. They went well over 100 yards, had a touchdown out there. They found success the only time the Raiders moved the ball was throwing the ball over the linebackers' heads across the middle of the field. Brian Edwards, I don't even know if they got Darren Waller there. It was mostly Brian Edwards. They hit the long one to Deshaun Jackson that he ended up fumbling later on in the play. Like They were finding all of their success throwing deep over the middle of the field. This is still the area the Chiefs struggle the most with defending in terms of their coverage because they only have one athletic linebacker. They only have one linebacker that is an athlete in coverage. So getting Anthony Hitchens or Nick Bolton or Ben Neiman when they're on the field to play against potential play action or just any misdirection and then drop the proper depth doesn't happen frequently. Even Willie Gay is easier than you want to pull out of his spot to be if you're going to throw eye candy at him. So that is an area the Chiefs are vulnerable to. It's scary because Derek Carr has let the Chiefs up throwing deep, but I think you got to play single high safety. You have to play single high safety against the Raiders and any other team before last year, everybody would be on board with this because it's Derek Carr and the Raiders, right? But Derek Carr and the Raiders have torched the Chiefs deep, but I think you have to trust these corners, Charvarius Ward, Rashawn Fenton, if he comes back, Legereus Sneed, trust them a little bit out of these single high shells so that you can start dropping a safety in to rob over the middle of the field. Because if not, I do think the Raiders, we talked about the defense adjustment for the Raiders. I do think there's going to be a big offensive adjustment to get over the middle of the field, get a little bit deeper, because that really is the only place they had success. The Chiefs need to be ready to counter that if that's where the Raiders decide to go. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, by the way, Darren Waller did not practice uh, today. Correct. I believe. So that's actually something to keep an eye on too. Another but, guy can win but the field. Jonathan Abram was a full participant for those wondering. Just <laughs> that's two things coming pluses. up, Chiefs. <laughs> I was saying that's a that's a man. I'm really the funny. This is great because I am not uh I haven't really said much of anything about John Abram today. And normally it's me doing this, but you guys are like picking up the slack. You just knew that there there needed to be some some John Abram jokes got to get up. <laughs> too small. Too small. Uh, interesting. Middlefield, middlefield close coverage that you say there, Maddie. I mean, like one thing, one, one way you can take away that area of the field is also the slot drop cover too, that Craig has so aptly named. Uh, and it's, you know, the rotating, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the good, the good things you want out of invert. <laughs> Too. with some tampa in there too with, like without yeah. the bad without the bad parts of invert two uh it's rotating safeties that create the two high structure in a, in a in a basically tampa look and that can help kind of eliminate that high low a little bit makes it a little bit more challenging at times on those digs the way that teams are playing um so i mean I, that's another way you can kind of you know maybe take that approach um as well but i get but also i be i the, the thing I didn't think about, and I think a good point to you, Maddie, is the outside corners. Like, that's a good point, is like these guys probably do deserve a little bit more trust than I'm mm -hmm. giving them credit because they have played a lot better. DeAndre Baker stepped in and played better too. So um, that is also a good point on your on your side there, Maddie. Yeah, and Rashad Fenton practiced today too. I mean, if the Chiefs get him back, that's obviously good news as well. But Chiefs looked all right with with Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker out there. They really did. And they held their own. Traverius Ward has obviously earned the right 
to to play on the boundary against these guys. And that's me saying that against some guys that do have some speed. If they flex Darren Waller out there, if they flex Deshaun Jackson out there, Deshaun Jackson is a little more integrated into this offense. You kind of see that a little bit in Derek Carr's numbers. Uh, his his intended air yards went really low there for a little while after John Gruden left and obviously after Henry Ruggs left. Now the past couple games, they're back up over nine, nine and a half yards per throw. So it does seem like they are starting to maybe open up the deep ball a little bit. But Javarius Ward has done a really good job on the outside this year. He's matched up against guys just as fast, just as savvy, just as good of route runners. It's all about knocking Derek Carr off of that stuff, though. Can't allow him to get those deep shots. Can't allow him to get in that rhythm. I'm on board with playing that single high stuff if the Chiefs can still get home and keep that high hole closed. You know, I, it's I'm completely on board with it, but I'm also ready to abandon it at the drop of a hat. So <laughs> I don't want a game like the Raiders games last year to crop up again where all of a sudden Chiefs are getting into a slugfest because they're trying to play a little more single high. Get, get back to two when that happens. 5D chess. Get into a slugfest so you force the offense to actually try to throw the ball downfield. Uh-oh. What if they can't turn it back on? Like, what if they flip the light switch and it doesn't come back on? They're sitting there jiggling the light switch and it doesn't happen. And they, they don't run get, the table. They can Uh-oh. get the big RM to come in and fix everything because that is what he does. Who? Who? Well, uh, let's go ahead and watch players to watch. <laughs> <laughs> My player to watch is Melvin Ingram. <laughs> Last time these two teams played, he played sparingly. Um, I think he only had 13 snaps, you know, rushing the passer. They dropped him into coverage quite a bit. They were still clearly finding out how to integrate him. And we've seen him over the past two weeks basically be dominant at the start of every game. He he makes splash plays in the first quarter. He made, you know, an excellent run stuff he had an excellent you know basically free rush at the passer and then another good one in the second quarter where he bent the corner and you know forced a mistake out of teddy bridgewater but then he kind of fell off a little bit and we're seeing that a little bit and i don't know if that's i don't know if that's conditioning i don't know if that's him you know only having part of spagnolo's playbook and when they get into some of those dime rush stuff they're just asking him it's like hey you, you know just containment rush you know we're not going to get into anything intricate with you but i want to see it open up a little bit more we know that we're going to get impact melvin ingram don't get me wrong he's going to be an impactful player in this game i'm just curious to see if we see it extending deeper into the game than we've seen it over the past couple of weeks my guy, I'm going to stick to the same side. Of the, or We're on talking defense. Of course, I'm going to stick to the same side of the ball. Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Hitchens uh, because for his run defense uh, of all mm. things here. So Josh Jacobs, the lowest yards per attempt he's had this season against the Chiefs by almost a full yard. Since playing the Chiefs, he's averaged over four yards per carry in every single game. Hey, even over to his receiving yards per game, it was actually his second lowest of the season, Mark too. So Josh Jacobs has been having a lot better games since the Chiefs played. I think they're going to try to get him more involved. Kenyon Drake is now placed on IR, so it's going to be all Josh Jacobs. I think the Raiders will try to be a little bit more balanced in this game. They don't want Derek Carr throwing the ball 35 times if they don't have to. So in order to stop Josh Jacobs, some linebackers are going to have to make a plays. 
Anthony Hitchens is back at Mike. I know that makes some people mad. I get it. You want Nick Bolton back there who played really well. But when Nick Bolton's playing as an outside linebacker and Anthony Hitchens playing at Mike, Anthony Hitchens is a far superior run defender in that scenario. When Anthony Hitchens is playing Mike, he is a better run defender than Nick Bolton playing outside. You need Anthony Hitchens to have a good game versus the run if you want to stop Josh Jacobs. You need Willie Gay to have a pretty good game. Even Nick Bolton, yes, as well. But I think Willie Gay and Anthony Hitchens are making far more impact plays against the run the way the Chiefs are using their linebackers right now. This could be a big game. Anthony Hitchens was good against the Raiders the first time they played. He was a big part of why Josh Jacobs didn't have a lot of success. I'm hoping they can do it again. Looking forward to seeing kind of how that matchup goes. And I would love to see him lay out somebody else like he did uh, oh was it, Lloyd Cushenberry God. in the middle of the yes. field. That'd be great. Yes. That was fun. <clears throat> that was one of the, that was, that was as good as hungry pig, right? Um, the uh, Rashad Fenton was a limited participant on Wednesday. The last, this is when we record the show on Wednesday night. I don't know if he's going to play. This isn't inside information. I don't, I, I don't feel like he's going to play this week. And if he doesn't, the guy that we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on is is uh, DeAndre Baker because he put together a really solid performance. We spent a little bit of time talking about him earlier in the week, but he did a nice job on the outside against some bigger bodied receivers. Thought he did a really nice job, played well vertically, which um, you know hasn't always been his strong suit uh, or attached. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I was really pleased with what I saw out of him. And I want to see a, a bigger sample size. I hope he's the guy that we get to see more of if Rashad Fenton does miss this game. And if not, maybe he's still, I don't know. I, he's probably not getting in. But I don't know. I, I very much enjoyed watching him play this week. All right, prediction time. All right. Well, the last time these two teams played, I mean, the Chiefs got themselves into the half essentially with a 17 to 7 game. So, you know, Maddie talked about how uh, Josh Jacobs needs to be more involved than he was in this game and all that. Man, I don't think it's going to matter again. I think the Chiefs are going to come out with that opening script. They're going to put it on the Raiders early. I think that the Chiefs are going to go up 14 to nothing very early in this game. And the Raiders are once again going to have to throw the ball to move it. And that's going to be where Steve Spagnuolo gets into his bag even more. I think that we're going to see them maybe trade some scores in the second half, but I don't expect it to be close again. I really don't. And that's not necessarily me saying that the offense is going to be super dominant. I just think that the Chiefs have enough pieces to break things open regularly enough on this offense and their defense is playing at such a high level right now that this is going to be another lopsided game. The first game was 41 to 14. I love palindromes. So we're going 31 to 13 this week. <laughs> Chiefs win. I think that this is a game that the Raiders have to have. They have to come out. Not, they don't even have to compete. They have to win this game. Like if they have mm -hmm. any hope for this season, they have to win. If they want to have just like any hope, I think to feel confidence, like they have to keep this game close early. They have to come out and match the Chiefs early game script. They have to come out and match the intensity. And I think they might. I do think there might be enough juice left to squeeze to come out at least as hot and as strong as the Chiefs do. So I do think this is going to be a little bit closer. I think there's going to be a lot more back and forth on both sides of the ball. I do think the Chiefs will be able to find some success like they have in the past versus this defense. They will try to pick and shoot, you know, pick their way down the field against this single high looks. They'll put up enough points to look respectable. 
So the Chiefs will score 24. I think the Raiders are plucky. They stay right there. Chiefs win 24 to 22. I think this one goes down as the worst Chiefs defensive performance in like the past, it feels like three years. Oh no. Have you betrayed me? What is wrong with you? I thought you were on the defensive side. What is this nonsense? I can't be on the defensive side. I have to be an offensive guy, Craig. Everything went downhill when I embraced the defense. I'm turning around. I'm an offensive guy again. Chiefs are turning around. Like 24 points isn't turning around. I'm not going to get hyped up for the offense to go crazy. 24-22, Chiefs win. Uh, I cannot wait for Derek Carr to squirm. For the entirety of the game, Derek Carr cannot win this game for the Raiders. Derek Carr will not put 22 points up on the board. The Chiefs' run defense will be outstanding. The pass rush and the run and the blitzing will get to him. He will cower because he always does. I have the Chiefs winning this game slightly less than Craig Stout, 30 to 13. Offense does some good things. You hope to God it translates and carries over into the Chargers game because the biggest. Five day stretch of this team season is right now. And then another mini buy or a mini buy for all of us to relax a little bit as we get ready for the remainder of hashtag run the table. 3013, your Chiefs win. Uh, we will talk to you after the Chiefs do beat the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. Catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.